Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It is the final preview of the 2019 Tar Heel football season as we get ready to preview the game against the Temple Owls that will take place from uh, Navy University in Annapolis, Maryland, or the univer- uh, I, the Naval Academy, I think is what uh, is the correct way of stating that. Um, so it's going to be a great opportunity for any of the fans that are traveling up there. A very scenic area. So uh, if you're in the ta- if you're in town, make sure you go and check it out. Uh, we unfortunately will not be making the trek up there, uh, but we are going to be locked in and ready to go uh, for the game on uh, Friday, this coming Friday, uh, which is at noon. So. Uh, I guess that's where we'll start. Are you really mad about the kickoff time? There are people that are actually angry about the fact that we were kicking off at noon because we had avoided the noon kick the whole year. I am actually okay with this. Um, and I think, you know, when you look back on it, this bowl scenario was one of the better ones that we probably could have expected with some of the teams that were being slated for who we would face and where we would go. Yeah, I'm not mad about playing at 12. It's not like, you know, this game's in Keenan or where our fans are, a late arriving crowd. Look, the people that are going to be at the game will most likely be there the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you live in the D.C. area or something like that, you're not going to get up and drive however far away to go watch Carolina play in a meaningless bowl game. Um, so, you know, look, TV dictates that time. Um, you're, you're at that point of the bowl season where there are bigger bowl games getting your records. This is the eve of the college football playoffs, so there are right. bigger games that dictate the the time frame of, of that night. So, I mean, look, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, it's still a lot better than playing Navy at 12 o'clock. You get Temple at 12 o'clock. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm not complaining about the time or the opponent. So Well, there we go. Yeah, you, you talked about it. Most people were slating Carolina to draw Navy. Instead, they draw Temple. And Temple is, is still a pretty good football team. Rod Carey, who comes over from uh, Northern Illinois, that was the guy they hired, of course, after the Manny Diaz debate. Uh, he ended up coming in 8-4. and four. I mean, look, this is a team that's in an American conference that 
was really, really good this year, top to bottom. Uh, I mean, you talk about teams like Memphis, who's going to the Cotton Bowl, uh, the team they played back-to-back weeks in Cincinnati, SMU was ranked at one time. So this is a team that will come in having faced some, you know, decent opponents so far this season. I'm not going to say it's power five opponents, but this is still a team that is a threat to Carolina and will not be an easy opponent to face. I mean, this team beat Memphis, and Memphis is going to battle in the Cotton Bowl against Penn State. Um, They beat Georgia Tech in Georgia Tech. I believe that game was in Atlanta. And, of course, we all know that Jeff Collins, of course, left Temple for Georgia Tech this past year. And like you said, they're 8-4, and 5-3 um, and three in the American Conference that you can make an argument was probably more deeper at times than the ACC was top to bottom. That's very sad. Um, yes. <laughs> this team is very good defensively. They kind of I've, – I've heard them – or I've seen them be compared to how Pittsburgh plays where they're going to be – what they are on offense, which is just they're going to run the ball, control the clock defensively. They're going to get after you. They love to put pressure on the quarterback. What's the weakness of this Carolina offense? Protecting Sam Howell. Um, so that's going to be probably where this game's going to be won and lost. But I think this is a good, good game for Carolina because you get a game that's, of course, very winnable. Um, and a game that you can still, even though it's the final game of the year, you can work on some stuff. And that's what you want to do in a bowl game is get some of the young guys' reps, tine, or fine-tune some stuff you did in, this, in the uh, in the regular season and the rest of the, yeah, the red zone offense looks today or right. in this game. So right. that's the thing. Um, a favorable matchup, like you said, we've, it's better than Navy. It's better than maybe playing Texas with the talent that Texas has. So Right, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't getting why people were really wanting to play them. I mean, I understand that they had not had the year that they were expecting – that's still a team that many people in the preseason thought could win the Big 12. That would be a huge step-up challenge for Carolina. I like this one. For a younger team that is back in a bowl game, a game that many people didn't expect them to make before the season started, talking about the national people, not the Tar Heel fans, I think this is a good draw for North Carolina. And let's Look, let's talk about this Temple team a little more in depth. You talked about the fact that they're going to want to run the ball. I mean, they've got one of the better young freshman players in all of the country. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which freshman is going to be the one that'll be more talked about when the game's over. Of course, Carolina's got quarterback Sam Howell. They've got running back Raymond Davis, who is having a fantastic year. 900 yards, seven touchdowns on 178 carries. Uh, So far this season, uh, I believe, is the only true freshman running back to go over a thousand yards from scrimmage uh, and he is just having a fantastic year the thing is I like the comparison to Pittsburgh's offense maybe not this year Pittsburgh's a little more pass heavy this year because their running game isn't as strong but definitely in past years where they're going to want to play a lot of defense and rely on the run game uh, to be able to move them down the field you know does that match up well for Carolina? I feel like it does, especially with the fact that this secondary is still, you know, you're not getting a ton of guys back for this bowl game. Pretty much the group that you saw in that game against NC State is going to be your group out there. So I, I think with them still beat up, this is a pretty solid matchup for them. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's favored better against teams that want to run the ball, which has been ironic because the theme of this Carolina defense for 2000 of the decade was they couldn't stop the run. Right. They're one of the most improved teams in the country. At, at, at run defense, and they moved up, I think, 60-something spots from where they were a year ago. 218.8 yards in 19 to just 149.0 yards allowed this year. So, yeah, huge difference uh, led by Chad Surratt. Yeah, and the thing is, is Temples, they've, they've got two backs. You've got Davis, and you got Yager or Jager, Gardner, whoever he wants to say his name. He's got right, 585 right. yards as well on the ground. Yeah, nice four, one, two punch. Uh, four yards when he touched the rock. So, 
that's something you're going to have to deal with. Is you're not going to have to stop one guy. you got to stop two. Um, you think a month will prepare. You've got a little bit healthier, maybe up front, maybe not so much in the secondary. We don't know the status right now of Strobridge and Crawford if those guys are going to play. You would imagine they'd play because they're not for sure, right. or for sure day one or even day two NFL draft picks, so they probably need another game to improve their draft stock. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good matchup. The thing about bowl games is, as I've said this, the team that shows up the most invested a lot of times is going to win. You don't, I mean, unless you're in a New Year's Six bowl game, you're not game planning the second that you get your bowl matchup. You're just not. So the teams no, that show Brown up. admitted that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. I've, I've stressed the most important thing about going to a bowl game isn't the bowl game. It's the practices. It's those 10 get. to 15 extra practices that you get for a lot I of these agree. young guys. And we've we've expressed how young this team is on, on both sides of the ball at the skill position level. You're getting all those guys back. How much more beneficial is those 10 to 15 reps for this receiving core that next year could be one of the best, not in the ACC, the best in the country? Right. For a defense that's learning a new scheme under Jay Bateman. That's where the benefit is going to a bowl game. If they lose the game, are we going to feel worse about where Carolina is at 6-7? and seven? Hell no. No, not really. Um, they, unless they get blown out like you know they did in the Independence Bowl back in 2011 under Everett Withers. That might be concerning, but other than, no, I think, you know, if you lose the game, you lose the game. It's right. just kind of what it is. You're looking for maybe some of the younger guys that get a little more reps than they did against NC State or during the regular season if they play well. That's kind of what you're looking for in this game. I feel you on that. Uh, Temple's, you know, an interesting team. We've been talking about them on the offensive side of the ball. They only average a little over 400 yards per game. They're kind of like Carolina. They really struggle in the red zone. Now, Carolina's overall red zone efficiency is actually actually pretty good because they have a solid field goal kicker. Temple's not really. They're only converting 75% of their chances in the red zone. That's the biggest issue for them. So it'll be interesting to see how Carolina's defense can come out and affect these guys if they can slow down what's been a really effective running game for the Owls so far this season. And then on the other side of the ball, you're matching up a pretty good Temple defense, like you said. They want to get after the passer, and they've got a guy that can do it in defensive end, Quincy Roche, who so far they season 44 total tackles 18 of them are for a loss 13 of which are sacks he is having a phenomenal year so far and look Carolina's offensive line as the season went along started to take some steps in the right direction but a game like this against a team like Temple who is really of sound mind on the defensive side of the football it's going to be a stiff test for a team that you know we don't know that they've looked good at the end of the season, but they've had a lot of time off. We'll have to see if they get back in an offensive groove in this game against the Owls or if it takes a little bit of time. Yeah, you look at this Temple defense, and they've got a lot of guys that are making tackles and a lot of guys that live in the backfield. Um, but we've seen Carolina in matchups this year where, man, you wondered, can they match up with the, the defense? Clemson, Pittsburgh, Virginia, this offense was able to hold their own. Phil Longo was able to put together a pretty good game plan. And most importantly, they, they could protect Sam Howell. We all know when you give Sam three to five seconds to throw the football, he's going to make something happen with his arm. Right. And that's going to be the thing in this game is can you keep the guys that live in the backfield out of the backfield and allow Sam Howell to find the receivers down the field to make plays? You kind of feel that they can because they've done that the last month. They were good against Virginia. They held their own against Pittsburgh. NC State wasn't a problem. So right. there's a lot more confidence in this in this offense right now because the protection uh, got better from week to week. Well, are you concerned a little bit? We saw a photo that came out in practice uh, yesterday uh, of Sam Howell wearing a brace on, on his right knee. I'm not really over concerned he is practicing so that most likely means he's going to play and I'm kind of with you even to me if there's any 
chance that if he plays, he's going to aggravate the injury? I'd see what Vincent Amendola has. What do you, I mean, is this a big deal if Sam Howell doesn't play in this bowl game? I don't think so. But I was going to bring that up because if, if Jace Reuter was healthy, right, I wouldn't even play Sam Howell. Uh, I agree. No, I think Jace Reuter would be my guy. I would tell Sam, look, you had a great year. Jace is not a guy that's a threat to you right now. We want to make that very clear to you. We just want to make sure you're healthy for next year for what could be a Heisman run. Exactly, because, I, I mean, th- this game, is it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Right. You're, you're there to get some gifts and have an experience with, with your football team. Mm-hmm. Next year you start at Central Florida and then in Georgia with Auburn. I'm a lot more concerned about going into next year than beating Temple to finish out a 2019 right. season. I'd rather have Sam Howell miss this game, start the two games against Central Florida and Auburn, games you're going to need if you want to start sort of move yourself up in the national perspective then he plays in this game gets hurt and Jace Reuter has to start the first two games of the year exactly I've gotten a lot of crap over the years about not wanting our guys to play in bowl games look this isn't in the 80s or the 90s where you only had eight or ten bowl games there's teams now that get in a bowl game with a losing record. You've got 40-some-odd bowl games. They don't mean anything. Why put a guy like Sam Howell who's in for, is going to be important to the future of your program right. in, a, in a position to get hurt in a game that – I mean, if, if he was on the verge of beating some records, I'd put him out there to get records. But, I mean, he stopped to throw over six touchdowns to get for the over 40 to break uh, Jameis Winston's freshman record. Chances of that happening aren't very high. Right. So why, why, why risk it? But I get it with Reuter being hurt. You don't play, You don't have a chance to win the game with Amendola, so you're going to put Sam uh, Howell in there. I wouldn't say you don't have a chance you don't have to a chance. win the game. I think, I think you would have a chance to win the game with the other guys on the team. If you can run the ball as well as you've been running it so far, I think you'd have a you, You've got to walk chance. on. You don't have a chance to win the game. I mean, hey, look, Zach Anikstad at Minnesota last year started the game as a true freshman walk-on. First game of the year for Minnesota and won the game. So, uh, And where's he now? I mean, he's a backup, but that's only because Tanner Morgan, I think, was a lot better. Okay, we're 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 getting way so, off track. No, I'm starting you, to talk about Minnesota football, auditorial football. You have no chance if you play. Okay, I disagree with that. I dis- I disagree with that. Mercer mainly, slowed down the offense. Mainly with him because, and, and, okay, and, took the foot off the gas, only threw twice. Okay, they didn't have any confidence to throw the ball. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It wasn't the fact that it was raining sideways and there was no one in the stadium and they wanted to get off the That's field. what Longo told me in our Sunday night conversations we have on the phone, that he didn't have confidence in Amendola to make the throws he needed to make in the offense. Okay, see, now you're making this stuff up and now uh, you're going to get a lot of hell on social media. That's fine. That. I'll... I'll- I will, cut, I will cut this part out of the podcast and literally put this up for people just to butcher you over. They have no I chance to win the game with Amendola. I, I disagree. Simple. I if, disagree. I think that you you listen to what Mac Brown has said. He has taken steps forward. I Look, I don't think he would come in and be this, this game changer. Oh, he's going to come in and have a phenomenal game. But you have no film on him. He's got a decent enough arm where he can make a couple of throws. And if your run game ha- continues to run that it ran, like it ran, late in the season, I think you'd have a chance to beat a a team in Temple that is a non-Power 5 opponent, and while they've, they've had a pretty solid season, you wonder just how invested they're going to be in this game. Does this actually mean a whole lot to them? I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know if it really means a whole lot, so I think you'd have a chance. And for Vincent Amendola, you'd have a guy that would be playing, this would be his chance to prove himself. So he would come in with a lot of motivation. Look, we're arguing over something that's not going to happen because Sam, unless something unforeseen, Sam's going Sam's to play. 
Uh, I mean, they haven't released anything. We're just having a casual argument because we're two idiots that do a podcast and uh, we just like to argue with each other. So that, that's pretty much what we want to do. Plus, we haven't really had an argument so far this season on the podcast. We usually just agree with each other. So this is actually good. It's actually good content. So, um, but let's talk about the, the rest of this Tar Heel team. You mentioned the guys on the defensive side of the football when it comes to, you know, their how well they've improved so far this year. Front seven uh, really, I think, has taken a collective step forward. I think the the defensive line, you know, you had your moments, your ebbs and flows. But I think, uh, you know, now I wonder if this unit will be a, a little bit more rested and, and, and ready to go in this game against Temple because, I mean, look, you, you had Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge. Both guys played over 1,000 snaps. Do you think the layoff time maybe helps them? And, and with one last chance, they come out and, and, and really step up in this game against Temple? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that it doesn't help them because they were clearly gassed by the, the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a chance for them to you know re- recharge the batteries. You, you've been able to get your body. This is probably as healthy they've been since the South Carolina game because they're not going right. to, I mean, you, how many practices are you practicing in pads even when you're, when you're having practice? So, good chance for them to go out, put one final um, tape uh, for the NFL guys, because we've we've heard that you know Jason Strobridge is the best NFL prospect on the defensive line. Aaron Crawford figures to probably be a day three pick in the NFL draft. One last chance to see those guys put on the Carolina uniform and go improve their draft stock. But you also saw some guys at the end of the year that made some plays that are going to be a big part of this defensive line moving forward. Which is going to when this defense gets where it wants to get to under Jay Bateman, it's going to start up front. Right. No, I'm interested to see guys like Raymond Velasic. I want to see how he performs in a game like this because I think he's going to get a a, a good look at – Strobridge's spot, a chance to fill that spot. Guys like Zach Gill, uh, one guy that's going to be huge. I want to see what Jaleel Taylor can do in this game because with Aaron Crawford and Brant Lawless, Cheryl no longer going to be with the team at the end of the season. This is a chance for those guys to come out and really step up and perform. I think also in the secondary, you're going to have some young guys that are going to get another opportunity to throw some things out there because they're going to be amongst what's just going to be a loaded secondary next year. And also, you get a final look at Miles Dorn will be looking to put some things on tape for some of those uh, those, those scouts that will be in attendance. Yeah, no, we've, we've talked a lot all year long about how how improved the secondary is going to be next year just by in terms of talent and depth. But we've also seen Dre Bly may have done the best coaching job of any coach on the staff because of how much he had to maneuver all year long with moving parts. Right. Dorn's been a pretty good um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Here? Uh, he's been a do-it-all guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's been all everything. over the field. He, he he improved on from earlier in the year. He was bad in tackling in space at times. He's gotten a little bit better than his coverage. But you, the, the cornerback spot, which was – that was the one spot all year long that we didn't know who was going to start week to week. Right. A lot more confident in those guys because DeAndre Holmes is able to make some plays at, at certain times. Storm so, Ducks finally Storm healthy. Duck, and a he hell of a name, and he's a hell of a player. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, he just so, had some injury issues as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'm looking at this game just – Look at all these young guys that are going to be a big part of the defense next year, which if Carolina's going to take that next step and compete to win the Coastal, they got to get better defensively. Right. And it's going to start with some of those guys on the back seven. Okay, so I'll ask you a couple of yes-no questions here, uh, really just regarding the offensive side of the ball, um, and then we'll make our selections for who's going to win this game. Uh, do you think that Michael Carter gets to 1,000 yards rushing, yes or no? He's 81 yards away entering the game. Yes. Okay, do you think that Javante Williams will get to 1,000 yards rushing? He enters the game 
152 yards away. No. No. Do you think that Daz Newsom gets to 1,000 yards receiving, enters the game 53 yards away? Uh, absolutely. Do you think that he gets to 10 receiving touchdowns, enters two away? No. Do you think that Deami Brown gets to 1,000 yards receiving, also enters 53 yards away? Yes. Do you think Deami Brown scores another touchdown to get to 12, which would tie the single-season record for a Tar Heel receiver? Yes, I do. Do you think he breaks it with 13? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, do you wh- how? Okay, this is not a yes/no question. Last question we'll ask: How many touchdowns does Sam Howell throw for in this game? Four. Okay. So he will not. He will pass Taj Boyd for third all-time in an ACC season, but will not catch Jameis Winston or Deshaun Watson. All right. So uh, official picks for the Military Bowl. What you got for me? And I've talked all about how this game is not important, how it's meaningless, um, how I want to see all the young guys. Yeah, there play. you go. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Uh, I think Carolina wins because I think they are the more invested team. You've heard all the stuff about wanting to get to a bowl game, how excited these guys were to go to a bowl game. I don't think they're going to lay down uh, because for a lot of these guys, it's a first-time experience. We heard Michael Carter say, man, I want the gifts. I want all the the good stuff that comes with going with a bowl game. He's like us whenever on Christmas morning. I'm just here for the gifts. Yeah, right. Give me my presents so they can get out of my way. Um, So (laughs) And I think I think Carolina knows that if you you finish off this year with a win, the momentum that's going to carry over when you start winter practices, when you get into spring ball. I've already hinted at the fact this team's probably going to be a team next year that's going to be preseason ranked, and as a team that's going to be sleeped on as a team to make a lot of noise in the college football world. It starts if you beat Temple. Temple's Temple's a good name. They've been to five straight programs or uh, bowl games. They beat Memphis, who's, like I said earlier, playing in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we all know Memphis coaches now at Florida State. The kinds of it shows you what that comes when you beat Memphis. So I think Carolina wins. I think it's going to be a little bit of, of a shootout just because you don't know how much defense is going to be played in bowl games and stuff like that. I think Carolina's going to win 35 to 27, get to seven and six, their first winning season since 20, uh, 2016. And we'll be getting ready for 2020. I agree. I think they will, uh, they, they will get the victory, get to uh, seven and six, as you said, first winning record uh, since 2016. I feel like Carolina comes in with uh, just more of a talent advantage. Look, Temple's a good football team. That turnaround that that program has had uh, just in this decade has been phenomenal. Uh, it started, of course, with Al Golden, transitioned uh, to uh, Matt Rule, who's done such a great job, and now is continuing under Rod Carey. But I think that there's just a little bit too much here, a little bit too much for Carolina. I like the fact that they have been able to run the ball so well late in the year. I think they'll come out do that successfully again. I think they protect Sam Howell enough. Really, what you got to do is allow him to throw that deep ball, which has been so successful late in the year. Uh, I think Sam Howell comes out, has a good game. I'm with uh, I'm with Josh. I don't think he quite reaches the uh, Jameis Winston record. I'll probably place him at three or four. I'll go with three. I think they run the ball a little bit more and get a couple of touchdowns late in the game on the ground. Uh, I'm going to go Carolina. Uh, I'll go 34 to 20 Carolina over Temple. Uh, I think this defense will come out, make a uh, make a stand against one of the better young running backs, maybe in all of college football, uh, and uh, it'll be a great way to wrap up this 2019 season, which has been fantastic. We are going to wrap up the 2019 uh, season with the Temple recap 
and then we will come back the next week and do our player awards. Also in that podcast, we will look back at our standouts that we picked early in the year. Uh, that is going to involve a lot of us bragging about picking Diami Brown to be a breakout star, and then uh, is going to involve a lot of uh, I, I don't know what we're what we're gonna what we would call it repent. Is that what it is uh, for the guys that we we picked and did not. Some of the guys, one of mine, I'll tell you right out. Chris Collins, one of the guys that was on the list, did not play a single snap uh, this season. So there will be a couple of, uh, it'll be interesting to go back over those. That'll be a fun podcast that we'll do for you. And then that'll wrap it. And uh, from there, uh, we'll just head into off-season mode. There's still going to be a lot of things that we're going to be able to talk about. You know, we'll, we'll, of course, touch on a couple of things from this 2019 season throughout that time. We'll do a couple of interesting additions of the podcast where maybe we look back through history. Um, and rank a couple of things. Uh, you know, we've done that in the past. We'll probably do a little bit more of that. And then, of course, I mean, look, you know, the fact that they're in a bowl game this year is so huge because this takes us all the way up until the turn of the year. And now after this, we kind of get to focus on, you know, we'll have, of course, some additions to the podcast that will focus on recruiting. But then it's really not that long until we get to focus on spring practice. So that, that'll that be great. Um, and then, of course, we'll be uh, heading towards the start of the 2020 season. We haven't yet decided where we are going to go uh, for the 2020 season uh, for the uh, two away games. We have the, of course, the game against Central Florida down in Orlando. Uh, that'll be a home game for them. So we're thinking about possibly traveling there or we're going to go to Atlanta to see them play Auburn. We are just extremely poor and the tickets for Auburn are extremely expensive. So we haven't quite figured that out. Maybe that, should we make that an addition of the podcast where we go back, what we each present a case and let the fans decide where we should go for the bowl game. Also, if we do that, the fans will have to pay for where we go. We will set up a Go, Go fund me, me. Page yeah, I mean, for you guys to pay where we take our trip. That would be interesting, it, right? You know, it would be a lot of fun. I've, I've, I've said why Atlanta makes the most sense. Okay. But, you know, right, right. Okay. So it's maybe all we'll up do to that. you. Maybe we'll do that uh, as well. So uh, we'll close down this podcast with the 40 yard dash, just hitting on a couple of storylines uh, for this Tar Heel football team over the past couple of weeks while we uh, have been away. Uh, what you missed, uh, well, Mac Brown received a one year extension. He'll stay in Chapel Hill through the two. 2024 season uh, this kind of seems like the Roy Williams type thing where you know he's going to have a contract for as long as he wants he'll choose when he steps away um, and and I think even when he steps away he'll be a part of this football program but he is scheduled now to stay through 2024 which is huge for the group of recruits that the Tar Heels just signed in the 2020 class Mac Brown also said in his press conference last week all current juniors on the roster are are expected to return next year. And that is huge because that means that uh, two guys in particular that we've been kind of focusing on as to whether or not they'll make the jump to the NFL level, Chaz Surratt, uh, the linebacker who was pretty highly ranked in the last position rankings by uh, draft analyst at Bleacher Report, Matt Miller. He had him as the number 10 linebacker in the draft. Uh, apparently, you know, according to Mac Brown, he says that everybody is expected to return, so that's huge. Uh, 
Uh, Daz Newsom, uh, the wide receiver as well, he could have left early. Uh, I think he'll probably stay no matter what just because this is a loaded wide receiver class. And honestly, if he comes out, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to be a late day three or undrafted guy. So I think he'll probably end up staying. But that's huge for Mac Brown to come out and say that he expects all the juniors to return next year. And you wonder if uh, both Chad Surratt and Daz Newsom have yet to make it public but have told the staff uh, that they're coming back next year. Of course, we'll have you covered with all of that uh, as we lead up to what I believe is de- is January 20th, which is the final day uh, that players can declare for the NFL draft. Uh, other big news, wide receiver Roscoe Johnson entered the transfer portal, 14 career catches while at Carolina, a guy that came in under Larry Fedora's watch. He will now be in the transfer portal. Not really much of a concern, uh, no no. No slight to Roscoe, really just a loaded position for Carolina. Brought in four more guys in the 2020 early signing class. Of course, last year had four receivers that were part of that class. So Carolina's loaded at wide receiver. Uh, it's really just more of the experience factor. Uh, you know, Roscoe had been there for three years, or excuse me, four years and played three years. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, other than that, I think Carolina still feels pretty healthy at that position. Two former Tar Heels heading to new destinations. Uh, transfer quarterback Cade Fortin. Will head to South Florida. He'll join former Tar Heel cornerback KJ Sales, who announced he's going to stay next year. So uh, he'll be a part of Jeff Scott's team next year. That'll be the quarterback leading the way. So congratulations to Cade, and we expect him to have a big season down there. And also former defensive tackle Jordan Riley, uh, who was part of the 2016 class, he signed with Nebraska as a JUCO transfer. Also, last thing we'll say here on the podcast: congratulations to both Marquise Williams and Ryan Switzer, the two stars of the 2015 Tar Heel team, both announced earlier this week that they will be having their first children in the year of 2020. So we want to say congratulations to them and their significant others as well as their family. So we want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. Go back, check out the signing day recap edition of the podcast that we have done. Uh, You guys can uh, listen to all of our class superlatives that we have, uh, as well as we kind of break down uh, just some of the major prospects in the class. And uh, also make sure you go back and check out all the interviews that we have with the guys. We got Caden Baker up there, Steven Gosnell, um, expecting Jaquarius Conley to be up there sometime. So make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, head over to the Heel Tough blog website. We'll have a an article preview for the Temple game that will be up and ready for you guys uh, probably on Wednesday. We'll try to get that up for you guys. And then after the game is over, we'll have the recap, the trench report, and the stock report all for you guys to wrap up the two 2019 season. Then we'll go into off-season mode and do what we've been doing in the past with the weekly headlines. I'll have that for you throughout the off-season to make sure that you stay up with everything Tar Heel football. As for Tar Heel basketball, make sure you go on the website. Check out everything that we've got going on. We have the uh, UCLA preview. We'll have the UCLA recap uh, up there as well as Anthony's analysis from the UCLA game. And uh, also make sure you go back and read the article on Jeremiah Francis should he or should he not start for the Tar Heels? It's the ultimate question right now. Read the article. Leave us your opinion as well. We'd love to see that from you guys. You can do that on the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page or the Heel Tough Blog Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog on both of those if you want to look those up. Uh, also, make sure you follow those both of those pages so you can keep up with everything podcast and article related so you don't miss anything that's going on. 
Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, any of the major platforms that have uh, podcasts that you can find, the Heel Tough Blog podcast there. Also, you can find the Roy's Boys podcast there as well. So we want to thank you for listening to this edition of the podcast. We want to tell you, of course, you can check out the game on December 27th on ESPN. Kickoff is at 12 o'clock. And remember, as always, go for Eels.